Broke. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We're living in some culturally amazing times and amazing in ways other than you might actually be thinking about. Because as we have watched not only the coronavirus situation taking hold that has brought so many home, but we also have seen how even before that people began to work from home so that husbands and wives were in the same location. Then we also have noted that the baby boomer generation is retiring very rapidly. So that's bringing husbands and wives home into the same house. Now, sometimes when you're in the same house, it doesn't necessarily feel like home, depending upon your attitudes when you're together. And that's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint. Can we coexist in the same house without co-exhausting one another? Now, we have a, uh, a fascinating lady who is joining us here on the program today. She has a vast experience in that she's been married for 49 years, and combine that with my 55-plus, we have uh, basically over 100 years of marriage experience. Her as a wife, me as a husband, different households, but interestingly, apparently, we both have a similar situation, that is, our spouses live in the same house and operate out of the same house. So her title for the book is Spouse in the House, Rearranging Our Attitudes to Make Room for Each Other. Is it even possible? Our guest today, Cynthia Rukti, believes it is possible. In fact, it should be joyful. Cynthia, it's good to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Chuck. It's a joy to be here. Well, how are things up there in Wisconsin? That's where your uh, home base is, isn't it? It is, and it's a beautiful, beautiful fall day, sunny, cool temps. Uh, the pine needles are falling almost like snow, and mm. it's, it's just a gorgeous day. Well, you have a lot of lakes up there, don't you? Oh, we have plenty of lakes. We're kind of in the middle of cranberry bogs and dairy farms and forests. It's a, it's a lovely lovely, lovely area. We feel a little landlocked because even though we do have lakes, I'm a big water person. When I get near an ocean, I feel like I really come alive. But we're far from an ocean, but we do have a, a, a truly lovely area to live in. And we live out in the country, so surrounded by those fields and pastures. Wow, and, well, that's that's uh, pretty, uh, uh, well, should we say refreshing? Uh, so even though you and your husband may be home uh, living together all the time, Uh, You have space, and uh, that helps a lot, doesn't it? It does help a lot, but interestingly, then when you're home all the time, you're home with only the person that you live with. There's there's no one a couple feet away or a neighbor whose door you can knock on without walking a a quarter of a mile or a half a mile. Well, I thought you were lusting after privacy. 
<laughs> very, very much so. We do, we do like the quiet, and we love the place where we're living. I haven't always been what you might call content with the distance from town, but I have learned to really come to appreciate it. And what was the foundation of that appreciation? I think a lot of it had to do with uh, the fact that I had grown up in small towns, so it's not like I was, I had, I've lived in larger cities before. Mm-hmm. As a child, I did. But uh, part of our love story is that we fell in love when I was 11 and he was 12. Oh, my goodness. So you've been together for a lifetime. A lifetime. <laughs> so there's hardly any of his history that I don't know and hardly any of my history that he doesn't know. We kind of experienced a lot of it together. That Went is to amazing. the same church, the same school. It was, it's not common these days. And I, it's not that I would necessarily recommend that as a recipe for success. Because certainly once we got married, even though we had been dating for many years before mm-hmm. we were able to get married, uh, we, uh, we still had an awful lot to learn. And I would have to say, even after all these years, we're probably learning some of our best lessons now. Mm. Well, then we're going to tap into some of that uh, best lessons now expertise. And you say you're a member of the HHATT Club, and I was baffled what in the world could that possibly mean then i discovered in italics he's home all the time that's what it means it's an acronym he's home all the time time (laughs) and therein lies the foundation for the balance of our conversation here on viewpoint today retired early with the express purpose of doing nothing he thought and he was skilled at it doing nothing well that can be a stick in the craw of a woman a wife And, uh, you know, a husband also yearns for some quietness and peace and quietness, and so it can stick in his craw a bit when uh, his wife wants to chatter all the time. So uh, you say we all love our husbands. We love being with them. It's the 24-7 part that needs a little help. So we're going to talk about that here on Viewpoint Today, friends. Our special guest, Cynthia Rukti, with her book, Spouse in the House how to rearrange our attitudes to make make room for each other. This is important because relationships are a big deal. And if we can't handle the relationships right now, when we're compelled through one reason or another into 24-7 habitation together, just think what it's going to be like when the pressures increase as we get ever closer to the return of the Lord. Jesus said they were going to increase. They're going to increase, and we're going to have to love and uh, learn to love being together, and it may be closer than you think. That is closer together and closer to the Lord's coming. All right, Spouse in the House, it's available to you on our website for your gift of $17 to Save America Ministries. $17, I hope you'll get a copy of it because it'll be so encouraging to you. And uh, it's available, again, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, Cindy, uh, 
it's a little bit one-sided when you find that two women are writing this book. Whatever happened to the men's version? Well, we intentionally <laughs> included them. It's so interesting that both my co-author's uh, husband, my co-author Becky, has a husband named Bill, and my husband's name is Bill. So in our dedication page, we said, to Bill, that ought to cover it, because they're both <laughs> named Bill. But then we used um, our pet names for them throughout the book so that we could keep them separate. But mm. we tapped into the expertise of some some people who are truly experts in marriage relationships. We talked to men and got the guy's perspective. We talked to our own husbands. They had sidebars in the book so that we would hear their perspective well. As well. I saw many of them highlighted a number. We'll be back right after this break, friends. Spouse in the house. How are you handling it? Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. An interesting phenomenon is taking place in American culture, and that is the flood of husbands and wives back home, uh, not just to sleep at night or to eat breakfast or dinner together, but to be together continually. And therein lies the problem. You see, by being together, that close together continually, you can rub on one another. And our guest today says that rubbing does not produce a pearl. No, it can produce uh, some other things that are not very desirable. But how has this migration to more time at home, uh, how has it happened? Well, uh, its advanced degrees can now be earned entirely online, says our guest. More and more home-run businesses, company employees increasing work remotely. In fact, that's becoming the, uh, what shall we say, the work method du jour. And then also as many as 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every single day in the United States of America. So it's causing me, Cynthia, to think about what happened with our first home. When we got our first home, it was 1,250 square feet. And uh, that's not exactly large. Uh, in, in fact, we... Uh, we we thought it was was quite nice with one daughter, but then during the course of our seven years being there, we ended up with two more daughters, and we gradually felt the squeeze. It was as if the house was shrinking, so we decided, you know what, this is creating tension. This is not healthy for our family. So we found another place that was twice that size. And uh, But you're saying the same phenomenon occurs when retirement throws wide the door of togetherness, then every room in the house feels like it's shrinking. And you know that can can happen sometimes whether we live in what we think is an adequately sized home Mm -hmm. or it's just the fact that there's a presence 
in the house. There's that, the, it, almost the sense that somebody's looking over your shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. And it may be a very caring thing. Uh, the two spouses in the house at the same time may be vitally instra- interested in what each other is doing. But if you've been used to having space and elbow room and breathing room <laughs> that all of a sudden has someone else using that same oxygen, then it can cause those natural frictions, but also kind of that uh, learning that new dance so that we're not tripping over one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, if two people are trying for the same refrigerator door, for instance, or or there are... There, there's rarely a battle for the remote in our house because the remote usually is in his possession. <laughs> but, but, and I've just come to accept that. But on the on the other hand, there are so many arenas in which, and especially in these days, when it may be that there are two people in the house, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what their age is, but they both need the Zoom call for that hour for their business or or other kind of connections that they've been making in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So what, our, what kind of uh, uh, work was your husband engaged in, or is he engaged in? My husband for many years worked for an American uh, natural gas pipeline pumping station. Oh. So it was hard physical labor. It was um, the kind of work that he would come home calloused and dirty, and but... He had, from the beginning of our relationship, he had had a desire to have a job where he worked hard at work and then came home and didn't have to think about work anymore until he went back to work the next day. I have had the opposite experience. (laughs) I I have always worked from home, either caring for my children or uh, in ministry of some kind. I worked... Mm -hmm on Christian radio for 33 years. Wow. And uh, that was all done from home. We had a home studio and worked around that. I worked around the children's schedule, constantly working what God had asked me to do mm-hmm. around what was happening in the household and the family. So, so where does was... the tension lie? I mean, he comes home and he says, I want my space. He flops <laughs> in the in the recliner, clicks on the uh, remote, and away we go. Yep, and I'm done for the day. <laughs> I'm done for the day. But um, but in my case, life and work and responsibilities were still going on. And in this particular phase of our life, it uh, I'm still working from home mm-hmm. and working quite a number of hours of, a week in what I do. I have several roles that mm-hmm. I that I serve in, and um, he now is he still works sometimes a couple of days a week. Mm-hmm. So there are there are days when he does have a day or two out of the house once in a while. But in our situation, he was forced into early retirement at 50, which if you ask oh, wow. me is way too young. Yeah. So he soon found that within, really within the first few months, he discovered that, you know, golfing and fishing and hunting every day, is not very around fulfilling. the house, not as fulfilling as it might have been, and it didn't pay for the health insurance. Mm. So he did get a couple of part-time jobs then that eventually added up to a full-time job, and then now is at the stage where it's 
more like full-time retirement except for the day off here mm-hmm. uh, with the day at work. I'm sorry. All right. So um, you're continuing to uh, to work from home in a variety of different functions, and uh, he's only working uh, one or two days a week. Uh, so uh, how is he blending in so that you don't feel like he is just sitting back and uh, being irresponsible? Oh, that's a great question. He's one of those fix-it kind of guys, so I oh. rely heavily on that. He's the, he always has something that he needs to tinker with, whether it's one of the cars or it's um, our the property that we have, what he's working on outside, or he, it, he is able to keep busy with those kinds of projects, but... He has a much better uh, handle on the idea of rest and relaxation than I do, and I have <laughs> okay. I have had to come to respect that because I realize that really is a gift in him. He's using it well, and I can learn a lot from him in regard to when it's time to simply stop, turn away from the work, and just rest. Yeah. That is one thing I know that I need to work on more it's one of my weaknesses well but rather than resent it in him i then learn to admire it in him and take lessons from him you know cynthia it is a disease that almost every pastor suffers from Mm. the disease of not knowing how to rest and not knowing how to wait on the lord notwithstanding the fact that he's supposedly telling the people how to wait on the lord every week so pastors are notorious, uh, and then oh, those in ministry are yeah. hyperventilated, uh, just constant, constant. Uh, some of them, uh, and I consider myself to be a fairly busy person, definitely not sloughing off, but some of these people actually cause me to gasp uh, because they are so hyped up and cannot rest. So you are fortunate that you have a husband that can rest and cease from his labor. And that's exactly what Jesus expects us to do, uh, in a sense, not to think that we can continue, continue to continue to save the world, but that, in fact, ultimately, he's the only one that can do it. That's so true. And the work will never be done. The work will always be waiting. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, such an interesting example that Jesus himself, when he, when he returned to heaven, he knew that the work was not finished. His work on the cross was finished, mm-hmm. but he knew that there were still people that would need healing. There was still a message to be gotten out. There was still much, much work to be done, which he assigned to us. But even he set such a great example of that balance mm-hmm. of work and rest. Right, And that's one of the things that my husband and I have had to learn how to adjust around one another. Mm-hmm. I, one of the ways that we did that was an actual physical change in the house. Really? When, I, when he was going to be then home all the time, and I didn't want him to feel like he was uh, invading my space or I was invading his mm-hmm. when we had different activities that we wanted to be involved in. We eventually invested in taking what was a screen porch and turned it into a three-season room. Hmm. So if I have a Zoom call, 
it's away from where he wants to be. He's no longer having to tiptoe around and thinking to himself, mm-hmm. can I use the ice machine in the kitchen or is that going to interrupt something? All right, so you're or, respecting space, uh, the need for people, for the spouse to have space. Yep, so true. And quietness. And quietness. We yeah, people range... says in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So true. <laughs> that, that does fit here too. I'm thinking about even a very, very simple thing that was practical in uh, the way we rearranged our family room. We had the chairs sitting or arranged in a way so that I would need to walk between him and the television to get to my sitting spot. Uh Oh, that's not good. No, not good. And I'm the kind of person who I might pop up and throw in a load of laundry or pop up and and go set something in the the oven or pop up and answer phone call or, or pop up and ask him a question right at a crucial <laughs> moment during a, a, at a game crucial moment. <laughs> thank goodness we can now hit pause so that helps a lot but <laughs> but we rearranged the furniture so that mm. the traffic flow was no longer interrupting his yeah. line of sight that's great sometimes it really is those physical changes of rearranging but more often than not, it's our attitude rearrangement yeah. that makes and the biggest difference. So we've got to rearrange the furniture in our mind. True, so true. Now, one of the things that uh, it's not just a problem after retirement or when spouses are both at home full time, but it's kind of an all the time problem, but just accentuated by both spouses being in the home all the time, and that is respecting and easing the other's workload, uh, even honoring some sort of a division of labor. Uh, But you say in your book that the 50-50 plan is a measure for failure. Disaster. That even Stephen idea is never going to be pulled off well. And part of it, I think, is because Part of what we're respecting is also each other's gifts. Where is he skilled? Where am I skilled? What fits in? What What is a chore that is no big deal to him, but it would drive me crazy? Or yeah. no big deal to me, but it would drive him crazy? There, we share one story in the book that talks about the idea that it was, I'm not kidding, I think we had been married 27 seven years mm. before I realized that and he, he just let it slip one day that part of his job at his workplace was to clean the toilet. <laughs> he had never <laughs> let me know he knew that skill. So he was a professional toilet cleaner. He was a professional God toilet ordained cleaner. for you. Skilled expert <laughs> at this and he somehow kept that a secret for all those years. I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but I tell you, it was such a funny moment when we realized, when I kind of stood there with my mouth agape, and it, it was one of those times when I think company was coming, and there was lots to do that had to be done right at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And so he was volunteering, God bless him, to do what he could to help, and I said, would you be willing to clean the toilet? And he said, sure, I do that every day at work. 
<laughs> and it so shocked me. But but then we came to realize, okay, we can figure this out. There are things, there are chores that neither one of us are going to want to do. Mm-hmm. But if we aim for that 50-50, one of the two of us is going to be disappointed because that's an impossible balance. Sometimes there will be times when either my job responsibilities or his health or uh, the schedule that he's keeping or the schedule I need for the day is going to mean that it's going to be way off balance. Mm -hmm. Um, He's taking delight these days letting me know when he started the dishwasher, which I'm finding such a joy. And those kinds of things where it, it really is no big deal. But when he sees that it means something to me, it really means a lot. Right. The other day, um, the other day he had come into the kitchen when I was making applesauce. Save that. Was, save the applesauce thought for after okay. the break. Okay. We're right well, back with uh, Cynthia Rupti in just a few moments. Spouse in the house, a very encouraging book. I think you might want to get a hold of it. Seventeen dollars on our website. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org that's saveus.org also on chuck's website listen to chuck's viewpoint broadcast listen to the archives maybe you missed a program check it out at saveus.org also there are some great resources hospitality information also information about marriage divorce and remarriage newsletters articles prophecy Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Always a blessing, friends, to be together to talk about the things that matter in our lives. Today with Cynthia Rupti in her book, Spouse in the House, Rearranging Our Attitudes to Make Room for Each Other. Again, the book, $17 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Again, if you're writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling. We, we need to rearrange our attitudes to make room for each other. That's really what it is. And uh, when we do that, uh, we actually are living out the Christ life that he calls us to live in our own homes. And that's where... You see, our marriages are the microcosm of the church, a husband and a wife and the Holy Spirit. That is the Trinity on earth, you see. And God ordained it to be that way. And so this is, uh, even as more and more of us are finding ourselves together at home more of the time, maybe 24-7 almost, uh, it's giving us an opportunity to really seriously begin to evaluate our own thinking, our own lives. Uh, Jesus came to to serve and not to be served, the scripture says. And we're also told to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Might not have thought about it that way in terms of your marriage or husbands and wives. So let's get back to the applesauce story. (laughs) I was just about at the end of the applesauce batch that I was making and 
my husband walked into the kitchen and said those beautiful words, is there anything I can do to help? Mm. And I looked up at him and he winked at me and said, I read the book. <laughs> and okay. we just had such a moment of humor, which I, which I really wanted to emphasize that sometimes what we most need to reintroduce into our relationship, if that part has gotten stale over the years, is rediscovering the humor again, mm -hmm. finding the funny in the things that could be irritations when you're in the house together 24-7, no matter what age, no matter what has put you in the house all the time. Um, there, that element of humor can make such a difference in the way we approach things. It's very easy for resentment or anger or bitterness or bringing up the past or even just our own weariness or tiredness from the day to dictate how we respond. Well, how about so, if each how about if each husband and wife uh, begins to serve and act like an accountant and keep up a balance sheet? Oh, that sounds like a recipe <laughs> for disaster too. I would say so. It doesn't you know, work that way. No, there's a verse in Philippians that has really come to mean a lot to me during this time period. One of the things that I've been that both Becky and I have been doing in our in our uh, in our relationships in the past years has been looking at here are verses that we know how they apply in certain situations. We see them in the Bible. We see them maybe applying to a well functioning church or a or a great neighborhood or the way we're to act to others outside of our households, but. Sometimes we fail to apply them to the the person that we have committed our life to in our own home. And these verses from uh, Philippians 2 say, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, which is us, mm -hmm. if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, mm -hmm. not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How that applies to the marriage relationship, especially when we're in a situation where we're home together a lot, has been so enlightening to me. It's been one of those eye-opening experiences of these scriptures apply specifically to this kind of a situation. So if I ignore that, I'm missing something very rich, not only in my relationship with the Lord, but also with my husband. All right. Now, let's, let's suppose that husband and wife uh, just aren't quite on the same page spiritually. Mm. Uh, and this normally is much more prone to be the husband who feels like he's way behind his wife, largely because he didn't pay any attention to the spiritual needs of the family or to his own. And uh, so he's all busy about his business and trying to get ahead and be successful in that way. But his wife has taken off and become far more, uh, far more mature in the Lord now, the husband feels put off, and uh, how does that work now? What would you recommend 
in a marriage where that uh, problem exists? I have experience in this realm, and much of it often, as you say, has just come because the responsibilities that the man might have had, and some of those roles have changed over the years as as the workforce has changed too, but um, but just there's a tenderness, I think, often in the heart of a woman in that relationship building with the Lord, and it's real easy if given an opportunity for for it to look like the the wife is um, pulling ahead in that realm. And there were certain things in our own relationship that I just longed for. One of the deep things was I longed for us to have prayer time together every day. Mm -hmm. We have morning devotions together on the mornings when I'm up early enough that we're sharing breakfast together. We have morning devotions together, and Bill will read a a passage of scripture and a, mm-hmm. a short devotional, and that is just so precious. But I had so longed for us to be able to pray together, mm-hmm. and I knew it. I could not make it happen. And if I tried to make it happen, he would be following my desire as opposed to it naturally, organically coming out of the desire of his own heart. Right. I made it a matter of prayer rather than a matter of argument and shared my heart's desire with the Lord. In our particular situation, it was more than 20 years before it happened, but it happened. Do you know that that's exactly what happened with us? Is that true? Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife had always wondered why, with all that we knew and being Christian since we were age Mm -hmm. five and Mm-hmm. me growing up at a pastor's home and all of these things, why it, uh, it just didn't seem that, uh, that I was willing to uh, bring all this together in our, our marriage. Uh, you know, I was getting up at five in the morning, spending time in the Lord and uh, memorizing scripture and praying and so on, but I wasn't doing it with her. Mm-hmm. Well, about 20 years ago, the Lord really moved on my heart uh, to begin to do that. And we determined it would be the first thing we would do every single day for the rest of our life, no matter what Mm -hmm. we were doing or where we were. And uh, that's what we've done. I don't think we've missed maybe two or three days out of all those 20 years. Mm -hmm. And Kathy says those times have been the single best thing in our marriage that has, uh, what should we say, uh, covered over a multitude of other, perhaps, <laughs> difficulties. I find such delight in our evening prayer times together. Oftentimes, he, he may go to bed earlier than I do. Every household has their own ideas of how they want to handle that, but um, he may go to bed sooner than I am because I'm kind of a night owl, and and he's a more early morning Wait a person. minute. Does that mean you hoot? Pardon? Does that mean you hoot? Yeah. As a night owl? I- uh, well, usually I'm pretty silent by about that time of night, but, um, but we pray together then, um, as kind of the closure of the day mm-hmm. and we take turns back and forth. And that was by his choice, by his design that we would take turns back and forth. And, uh, if, you know, if my voice is weak, then he'll do the praying that night. Or if he's especially weary, I'll do the praying that night, even if it's his turn, supposedly, Mm-hmm. But those times have developed into something so very precious 
that I too, I feel like it is one of the strongest glues in our marriage that mm-hmm. we are able to come together in that way. And it, it wasn't necessarily uh, natural and easy and free-flowing in the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. But as we just shared our hearts and opened ourselves up together, as I leaned into him and I could hear, I would press my ear against his chest mm. as he's praying to the Lord. And that the beauty of that, the wonder of that is something, it, it just cannot be bottled or purchased. It is so, it's priceless. Mm. But it also can't be forced. Right. And I, I think I would have to advise uh, the women who are longing for that sort of thing, if you keep petitioning the Lord, keep laying your heart open to the Lord, that that is your heart's desire. Then when it comes, it will be all the sweeter. That gift will be all the sweeter. Well, badgering certainly won't uh, likely get there. Right. Let's talk about uh, the environment in the home. Uh, Everybody's talking about the climate, but I'm I'm more concerned about the climate in our homes, Mm -hmm. uh, the environment in our homes. And uh, that environment is a spiritual environment. It's an emotional environment. Uh, It is uh, an environment of whether or not we're walking in health. Uh, But also there's a physical environment that caters to peace in the home, particularly when uh, a couple of people are there, husband and wife are there 24-7. And I I get the feeling like a lot of, Husbands and wives do not value uh, the, what should we say, creating a beautiful and peaceful environment physically in the home. I so agree. I think that we have maybe spent a lot of time thinking about a house Mm -hmm. or coming back to a building at the end of the day if if we're away from the home during the day. But there's something much more, much deeper than that, which is in in that creating an environment of home. All right. We'll pick up on that in just a moment. We'll be right back, uh, Cynthia, after this break. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The goal of a home for a couple spending a lot of time there is to create an environment that is truly satisfying, not simply comfortable 
but rather inspiring. I saw that in the highlight there in your book, uh, Cynthia, and I thought, you know what? Uh, There's a lot of truth in that. Uh, The environment, the beauty of an environment, the peace of an environment, if the environment is, uh, is reasonably organized and not disorganized, uh, it goes a long way toward establishing not just comfort, but inspiration to be there, doesn't it? It's so true. I think we, we might put out a welcome mat that says, home sweet home, and it, it sounds trite sometimes. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like a cliché. But I think far more important would be home sweet haven, that if, that if that atmosphere that we're creating with our words, certainly, with the decor that's in the home, with, with making sure that it doesn't look like his home or my home, but our home mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And then, obviously, also making sure that it is a place where peace reigns, where peace and hope and joy are part of the very fabric of the home. That makes a difference, not just for us as a couple, but even as I was listening to that, to the quote of that verse, Behold how they love one another. Right. There is a watching world, a world that is watching us, who are uh, coming through the same kind of struggles that they're going through, but finding ways to not just love one another, but love one another well. And then create this atmosphere where when anybody walks into our home, they feel at peace. God's presence is there. He is honored in this place. It is a place where chaos has no room. There's, there's no, when, when quarters are tight or when you're in the home 24-7, there's no place for chaos. It, it doesn't have... Uh, uh, el- there's no elbow room for chaos in a place right. like that, yeah. and that might just mean in the uh, it might mean in the way that we speak to one another. I I tell the story about how my oldest grandchild often says to the twenty year olds that my grandchild hangs out with, "You should just see my grandparents' love story. It they're so cute together," <laughs> and she doesn't mean that we're necessarily adorable people. Mm-hmm. But what she means is, and and they know, our grandkids know, when they walk in our home, they can come in and sit down and rest because it's a place, it's a home that Mm -hmm. is known for hope. And it's a a place where love is on display. We, the angry words, are we ever going to be angry with one another? Of course. Do we make that into an atmosphere that lingers in our home? No. No. We will open the door and get rid of it. We'll mm-hmm. we'll find a way to air that out and and get rid of it and dispel it so that it doesn't linger in the home like a like stale old fish or stale mm-hmm. smoke. Well, what you're we, describing, I mean, you you have a, a chapter uh, calling about things that uh, Febreze won't uh, won't cover, <laughs> uh, and that's true. Uh, you can't just spray away. Uh, some of these things, it's a matter of a living reality that has to be perceived. And uh, what you're describing is actually something that's virtually almost palpable to people uh, when they walk into a home uh, and they sense something very, very different. It's not chaotic. 
it's organized uh, within reason. It's comfortable. It's uh, there's there's a beauty about it, and uh, I can't tell you how many people have walked into our various homes over the years and have made comments like, "Boy, I feel so peaceful here." Mm-hmm. There's such a peace, and and that's that's been said by Christians and non-Christians. So uh, yeah, we want to have that and. The problem is when you have very small space, uh, it's it's a little tough to uh, to not rub on one another, and yet uh, we have no guarantee that we'll have large spaces. We might have ever increasingly small spaces, given what's happening in the economy, given what's happening in our world. Don't you think? Absolutely true, and I think one of the keys then to that. And we've had to exercise this in our own home as well. One of the keys to that is realizing what have we accumulated that is of no value that can leave, that that doesn't need to be in our home? Mm. Uh, what have we collected just for the sake of collecting? That probably doesn't belong here. You mean We're the 200 making... or 300 figurines that are on glass uh, uh, shelves somewhere? Some. It does. Sometimes that is the issue. And other times it might be even memories that we've clung clung to ah. that really don't have any space anymore here. Yeah. It, it was a time in the past. It's done. It probably needs to be jettisoned so there's room for new thoughts, for creativity, room for us to breathe easily at, without that hanging over our heads yeah. or without our tripping over it. Sometimes we might have an empty box that we just don't dispose of, and we find ourselves tripping over it so many times until finally we're just plain angry and give it a good kick without realizing what we should have done in the first place is fold the thing up and get rid of it right now. Um, We have a situation in our house right now where we replaced part of a roof with metal roofing, Mm. but they weren't able to finish the project all the way to the very, very edge. And that meant that there was a little drip of water Uh that came into a spare room, and we didn't notice it until it had had been going on for a while, and that affected the ceiling in that room. Mm -hmm. But we weren't able to fix it even then right away because parts were delayed in coming. When we eventually got the, the roof repaired the way it needed to be, it meant that we were going to have to replace the entire ceiling of that spare room. Well, we just had that experience. And that often happens in those those irritations that we don't quite take the time to take care of yeah. when they're fresh or when they're easy to fix. When all it would take is a little coat of paint or a little I'm sorry. And if it if it lingers for too long, it's going to wind up being a much larger problem that's far more costly relationally and maybe right. even financially to fix. All right. Now, when a guy is working, his wife says, how come you're never home? Then when he stops working, she says, how come you're always home? <laughs> <laughs> that can be true. And it's important for us to each have our own interests. I, I talk about that idea sometimes that just in my own, uh, in my own household these days that, uh, one flesh is a beautiful and biblical concept, but 
that doesn't mean that I don't still have my own fingernails and my own hair follicles and, <laughs> and my own interests. And, mm. and it's, it's actually, we make a better one flesh if I have some interests that are different from his. So when we come back together, we can have wonderful conversations about those interests that hit the experiences he has had, the sights he's seen, the, the people that he's met, the stories that he's built up. And I have stories to share, too. One of the saddest things I saw one day was sitting in a fast food restaurant when we could do that, and there was a, an, a, an older couple that looked like they had been together for many, many years. They sat probably for an hour. I was there with toddlers at the time and was watching the toddlers play in the, in the play area. So I was there for probably an hour. That entire hour, not one word passed between the two of them. Oh, my. And it broke my heart because I thought, it's, this doesn't look like a quiet comfortableness. Between All right. Them. That, that speaks to a, something that I was wanting to uh, get to before we run out of time here. Mm-hmm. And that is the nature of time. Mm-hmm. Time together. Mm-hmm. And uh, with regard to kids, we talk about time or quality time, that kind of thing. But there is no substitute for time. On the other hand, just being together in the same room uh, isn't necessarily the fulfillment of the requirement of time together. Uh, I had to learn that the hard way from my wife. And it took many, many, many years for me to comprehend what she was really talking about. Uh, The sense of togetherness, of oneness together. And uh, that was fulfilled in many significant ways by our time together in the morning uh, over coffee, reading the Word of God, praying, and applying it. So she says, that's what I was talking about. I want to be together. I want to feel like we are truly together, thinking thoughts together, talking together. And uh, I think... In order to accomplish that, it takes some, uh, we have to learn to value that and to discipline ourselves to accomplish that, which means we're constantly giving, in a sense, uh, to the other party, not just thinking of what I don't want to do with my time when we're supposedly together. That is so true. Think, too, about eye contact and how much that means. We know when we see a newborn baby, looking up into the eyes of his or her mom Mm -hmm. or dad, that moment is so intimate and so beautiful. And it had, the baby had nothing to offer except attention. And that those eyes focused on the face of his mom or his dad, that builds that beautiful bonding together. There are so many things that we do in life that might well be side by side. But those things that we do face-to-face, those conversations that we have eyeball-to-eyeball in a way, those um, not just projects and serving and, and discussing and experiencing side-by-side, but also that face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball. I'm looking into your eyes because I care about you. And this is one of the ways that God has given us to express that, is that deep, lovely, beautiful gaze 
that shows that I cherish you. Well, certainly one of the ways that we can accomplish a lot of this is by uh, uh, taking a walk. Uh, That gets us out of the closed space. I have never, ever, ever lost the joy of holding my wife's hand in 57 years. And uh, so, uh, you know, you walk together and uh, you talk together. You're outside of the cloistered space in your house. Uh, so you, you're together and yet there's openness. Uh, you're experiencing the broader world of God's creation. And I think uh, there's a joy there. Uh, we even have a song. Uh, that we used to sing anyway, uh, I come to the garden alone. Mm -hmm. But then we sing, but he walks with me, Mm -hmm. and he talks with me. So on the one hand, we say we're alone, but on the other hand, we say we're not alone. He walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share Mm -hmm. as we tarry there, none other has ever known. So very beautiful. I think part of what is related to that is that when we walk out of the house and we are together walking out in creation, one of the joys of it is that we can't be reminded by the ding of the dyer, dryer oh. uh, that the clothes are done. We, the responsibilities are not accessible to us. And you don't even need to take your cell phone. And we don't need to take the cell phone. We have one another. One of the most, truly most intimate things that we have seen witnessed in the Bible is when God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Mm -hmm. Just walked. Yeah, just Just, walked. Just walked. Well, that's what what he wants us to do. Walk together for a lifetime, spouse in the house, rearranging our attitudes to make room for each other. It's a very encouraging and uplifting book. $17 will put it in your hands. For such a time as this, friends, maybe in your life right now, $17 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Become a partner with us. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Also, even today, preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. God bless, and let's be a blessing to one another. Encourage one another. You might want to give your wife or your husband a holy kiss. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.